gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Welcome back to Back Porch Movies. Today, it's finally come. We're doing the Tarantino movie rankings. I'm pretty excited for this. The Quentin Tarantino filmography, although we we all realized about an hour and a half ago, none of us have seen Death Proof. <laughs> so, so the Quentin Tarantino minus Death Proof filmography rankings. So we were debating it, and I guess, JP, you were correct. We were talking over text. I, I guess he does count. QT himself says Kill Bill's one film, and he includes Death Proof. So he's at nine films counting Kill Bill as one. And right. supposedly he's only making one more, which we'll see if that actually... I think he's going to make more than ten. Yeah, I think so too. No way he uh, he makes... Because he's going to make Kill Bill 3, and then no way that he ends on that, you know? So Maybe he ends on it, I don't know. Chris, you said you had trivia for us before we start. Yeah, so before we rank our Tarantino flicks. Can y'all give me Tarantino movies ranked from highest grossing to least? I know. I know. Number one. Same. Least. Least is super easy too. Django's number one. Yeah. Right? Django's by far number one. Yeah. Django's number one. It made $426 million. I would say um, once upon a time in Hollywood's number two. Yep. Made 374. Is Jackie wow. Brown last? No. Oh, is, Re close. is Reservoir Dogs last? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was an independent movie, man. Yeah. Kill Bill 2 <laughs> is 3. No. No, I'd say... Uh, Not even close. I'd, I'd say maybe Hateful Eight, number 3. No. Pulp Fiction? Oh, no. Bastards, duh. Yeah. Oh. Django, Once Upon a Time, Bastards, just give Pulp him, Fiction. I'd just give us the rest in order. Okay, yeah. So Django, Once Upon a Time... Bastards, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill 1, Hateful Eight, Kill Bill 2, Jackie Brown, Death Proof, Reservoir Dogs. That all makes Which, sense, honestly. I'm, I'm very curious to see actually how much money Reservoir Dogs has technically made now. You know? From DVD sales and stuff? Yeah, right? and all that sort of stuff. Promotional yeah. crap. I will say it's probably okay. We haven't seen Death Proof. Sorry for all the Death Proof lovers out there. I'm sure I would like it. But QT has said himself it's his worst movie he's well, made. Most people who watch Grindhouse liked Planet Terror better than Death Proof. That's surprising. Okay, so Chris, you have another trivia? Okay, so we just did like box office and so what else is qt famous for is he's sort of shakespearean in that he uses the same actors oh yeah mm. so obviously there's going to be some easy ones first can you name <laughs> well this one's easy who has he collaborated with the most it's got to be samuel l right yeah yeah he's in how many movies let's see four He's in Hateful Eight. He's uh, he does in Inglorious Bastards. He introduces Eli Roth's character. Is like he's like this is the bear Jew. So I'm counting Inglorious Bastards. Yep. He's in Jackie Brown. He's in Pulp Fiction. So that's four, right? Uh, and he's in Django. And he's in Django. 
He's the star of Hateful Eight. Was he in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Mm, I don't no. think so. So was that five? Yeah. You're forgetting one. What just what, what is what? it? You Kill Bill two. He's in. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I don't remember that. Um, and then he's a narrator for uh, The Bride. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Um, and then if you also count True Romance, which QT direct or uh, wrote, he's in True Romance. Um, That's interesting because True Romance is a great movie, but it would definitely be high on my list if Tarantino had directed it because it's it's his best script, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think who who did it? It's one of our boys, Tony right? Scott. Tony Scott. Yeah. R.I.P. All right, random, random. <clears throat> Name the three Bruce Dern QT movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hateful Eight, and uh, I don't know the third. GP. Mm, no guess. Tiny, tiny scene in Django. He's the one who sets the dog or uh, who whips Django, isn't he? Oh, oh wow, he's like super old, yeah. Um, okay, let's so let's here. get started on the rankings, yeah. yeah. So, we're gonna go through our top nine. If any of us have something ranked higher, we'll wait to talk about it till we get to the highest ranking. All right, my number nine is Hateful Eight. Same. Chris? Abstain. Wow. Okay. Chris, what is your number nine? Kill Bill 2. Okay. Uh, okay. I've got Abstain as well. All right. My number eight is Django Unchained. Wow, Gabe. Is, that I, is shocking. I, I, I thought this would be Holy my most crap. controversial pick. Wow. Hey, I, I, I'm, I have to abstain, but I'm close. Okay. Uh, JP, what's your or Chris? What's your eight? The Hateful Eight. Okay, so let's talk about Hateful Eight real quick. You know, I, I figured this would be the eight or nine for each of us. Yeah, it yeah. is a heavily flawed movie. It's it's, it's entertaining. <clears throat> way too long. Yeah, um, that's no- why they're released in that four parts or whatever on Netflix. Zero redeeming characters, and I would argue most of them are not interesting either. Yeah, I it it kind of misses. The problem is, I love the idea of like one scene play format for for uh, Tarantino's writing. But the problem, like he he's such a good writer, I want him to make plays like this. Like this is just a play that's filmed. Yeah, but the problem is that he tries to make like such overt like uh existential points about race in the movie and none of them hit i think we can probably agree our favorite part of it for some reason our favorite part of it was definitely the score ennio morricone's only oscar for for original score i think pretty great wow and one thing about hateful eight one last thing very strange that Tarantino was such a he was famously a freak about filming it uh in the format he did 
because it was like this western style movie and then literally has this incredible scenery around him for like two seconds and then puts it all in one tiny little cabin yeah, for the rest of the yeah. movie. all right jp what's your number eight kill bill volume two that works out because that's my seven so let's talk about it okay um kill bill volume two is the the follow-up the second half to kill bill volume one and by many people it's considered the superior film i guess all three of us would disagree um there's some really great action scenes but i think the action does pale a little bit in comparison to the first one definitely but, but I mean, honestly, my three through seven are borderline interchangeable. Like, I love each of these movies. I really like Django as well. But um, th- this is a great movie. I don't think it's on the level of the first one, but it's really good. Yeah, it's just, it, it wasn't difficult for me to put the first one over the second one. We'll get to the first one when we get to it, but I've got some takes on the first one. Volume two is an actual movie like it has an actual story arc whereas kill bill one is just badass fight scene to badass fight scene which is why i like it better (laughs) agreed yeah all right jp Um, what's your seventh uh kill bill volume one we're gonna have to abstain yeah abstain (laughs) chris what's your seven Django. okay so i had it eight chris has it seven i have it at six so we can talk about it the movie has not aged well, I don't think. Um, at the time, I thought it was incredible and amazing, and I was, like, blown away. Rewatching it, it's like, I kind of, I don't know, it loses its luster, and I can't really put my finger on why. Do y'all agree with that or no? I, I think maybe it's it's been memed so often, <laughs> like, the you've had my curiosity, now you have yeah. my attention. Maybe that takes away from it. Still love it. Uh, good movie, and it's it's a little over the top, but you know it's, that's Tarantino. That's I think, Tarantino. I think I think it's Leo. The problem is, it's like such a good Leo performance, but then Leo outdoes it in another Tarantino, Tarantino. movie. Mm-hmm. And, and then also Christoph Waltz. It's like he won the Oscar again for this movie, but he's not. He's ba- he's not even acting in it compared to how good he is in the glorious best. I don't know. I just think it's very overrated and I get it. It's a great movie. Leo's amazing. Samuel's great in it, but yeah, uh, there's two things, uh, two takes on this. I love how he kills himself in this movie. Tarantino. With his Australian accent. It's so bad, <laughs> but I feel like you don't see that a lot from directors. So that was funny. And then, um, Probably to me, it's the most evil character in all of Tarantino's films is Steven. I think that's Samuel's mm. character. Yeah, he, he is the most evil character in any. And Tarantino there's awesome, film, hands down. awesome interviews with uh, with Samuel explaining like why he wanted to play that character and how him and Tarant it was a lot lighter of a character and, and uh, Samuel worked with him to make it even more evil. Okay, uh, JP, that was your six? Yeah. Chris, did you give your six yet? Six, I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Wow, that's surprising. We're going to have to abstain. Have to abstain. <laughs> um, my six, which I, I know is going to be higher for y'all, is Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Abstain. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, my six. So have we all done our six? Yeah. My five, and God, we're getting to some fantastic movies. 
Yeah, like, at this point, are they all interchangeable? For um, me, they are. They my really top are. two are clear top two for me, but uh, they're they're interchangeable. My five uh, is yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Okay, abstain. Abstain. <laughs> okay, JP, what's your five? Inglorious Bastards. Abstain. All right, Chris, what's your five? Jackie Brown. Abstain. <laughs> okay, so uh, my four. Has everyone done their five? My four is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I got to wait to talk about that. Okay. Chris, you had Once Upon a Time at what? Six. Six? Wow, okay. All right, one of y'all give your number four. Pulp uh, Fiction. Wow. That's shocking. That's actually. shocking, too. <laughs> yeah. I knew this list was going to be... We were going to have really very different lists, yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine's Jackie Brown, so... Still abstain. Okay. Oh. All right. Um, my Dude, what's your four? My four. I we already did once upon a time in Hollywood. My three oh. is Jackie Brown. So let's talk about okay. it. I have it the highest, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I have it at five. I have it at four. I mean, it could have fallen anywhere, really. Here, uh, like I agree with Gabe. One and two, pretty much locked in. Three to six. Depends on which one I've seen recently, probably. Uh, so we we basically did a whole twenty minute review of Jackie Brown. So we don't have to go too in depth into it, but great movie, maybe Tarantino's funniest and definitely his most different. How about um, favorite character in Jackie Brown? I know it's tough, but De Niro, easily De Niro. I, De Niro. I think it. I think it's a top five De Niro performance. I'd, I'd say I'd put it in the top 10 for sure. Um, I'd probably have to pick De Niro too. But yeah, I would definitely suggest people go watch that because I feel like it's a lesser known Tarantino film, but it, it is definitely worth it. One of his best. Okay, so Jackie Brown was my three. Chris, what's your three? Kill Bill Volume 1. Abstain. <laughs> Um, my three is Reservoir Dogs. All right. Uh, that was my five. Chris, where'd you have it? Reservoir Dogs, two. All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, just what an entrance into in, in forever changing movies because so many imitators came from Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I mean, he, he changed film um, more than anyone maybe since like James Dean and Brando, like in the fifties with their acting styles, like he, he changed directors. Like they changed acting. I think. Yeah. I'd agree we, with that. We give, this is what, this is why I have Pulp Fiction at four and Reservoir Dogs at, at two. We give way too much credence to Pulp Fiction of how influential they are. Reservoir Dogs is the one that's actually at, actually the one who is influential. Pulp Fiction is the one who just happened to be like way more famous like it made a lot more money because he got famous because of Reservoir Dogs. Like he, it's incredible what he did with Reservoir Dogs in that such a, you know, few different locations within the movie in pretty simple story and just making it so intense throughout the whole thing. Like it, with that little money, I'm not, I don't know how much it was, but I'm sure it was little and how 
you know, not convoluted and how it's not in many locations. Like, to be that riveted by a movie like this in the casual conversation thing, like you said, like that changed movies forever. And who would have thought it's that entertaining to just watch and guys talk about stuff? You ignore, know? ignore all of the influential new stuff that he's doing in this movie. Just rewatching it 20 years, 30 years later, however long it, it's been. The movie still holds up. The twist still works. Everything still lands. You're still baffled by it at the end. But can you imagine what the world would be like, what movies would be like right now, if Tarantino didn't get Harvey Keitel to be in that movie? Mm. If he did not, I, I don't even know that story, but if Harvey Keitel did not agree to be in that movie, we wouldn't. I don't think we would know Tarantino. I, I I don't think that's correct because he he shopped the Reservoir Dogs script and the True Romance script at the same time, and like basically he was he was gonna be big because like he was he was like a well known like upcoming screenwriter. Like Tony Scott wanted to direct Reservoir Dogs. I think that's <laughs> how the story goes, and he says no, but you can have True Romance, and he goes okay, cool. Like I th- I think Tarantino would have been a, maybe not what he was, but. He was going to be a huge success either as way. As much as we love Tony Scott, I'm so glad he didn't dress <laughs> for <laughs> I know. I know Scorsese's <laughs> pretty much the king of needle drops, but um, all of Tarantino's movies, including Reservoir Dogs, has some great music in it, too. Well, aren't we about That's to true. talk about Kill Bill Volume 1? All right, so uh, that what was that? Uh, we did Reservoir Dogs. Chris, was that your number two? Yeah. My two is Pulp Fiction abstain that's what i figured um i think we can talk about it now my two is once upon a time in hollywood okay that was number four for me chris what was that yeah six for me extremely high for you i'm pretty shocked uh i'm actually surprised you had it so high this was a movie that i remember the first 45 minutes to an hour when when i saw it in theaters i was like what is this i think i like it but i don't at all know what's going on (laughs) by the time it was over i was like that was fantastic um it might this and uh uh wolf of wall street are leo's best performances of his career you're probably right period uh and the, then the eight whiskey sours trailer freak out is <laughs> that's going in his hall of fame but uh and then the, right up, eight. <laughs> the just the slow-mo brad pitt the girl walking by him and he does the peace sign out the window for the first time the first time he sees what's her name the hippie girl coolest human that's ever lived oh Dude. yeah so yeah. cool in this movie I think it's incredible how you get two of the biggest actors in Hollywood to have their two best performances in the same movie alone. And I I normally am not crazy about the Tarantino crazy, just super violent endings, but this one came out of nowhere and I (laughs) I didn't know how it was going to end and it blew me away. (laughs) Much like the hippies were blown away. I, (laughs) I think it's one of the funniest tarantino movies and that ending i think i was cracking up the whole time it was just so funny brad pitt blown away the hippies i love when uh i can't remember someone's like is are you okay is everything okay and he's like the hippies aren't (laughs) (laughs) okay so have we all done our number two yep 
Yep. Okay. My number one is Kill Bill Volume 1. And I switched this last minute. Pulp Fiction was originally. Then I'm like, I love Kill Bill Volume 1 so much. I got to go with that. I was about to say, Gabe, I mean, this is one of your favorite movies of all time, right? It is. It's, 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 I, because I've never seen another movie like it besides, I guess, Volume 2. But, um, I, and I know most people wouldn't have it this high. I love Uma Thurman and these movies so much. And, you know, Lucy Liu's character is one of my all time favorite villains. I think he directed one of the best. It, it's basically has the dialogue of Pulp Fiction throughout the movie, sometimes in Japanese, but then has the best action scenes I've ever seen. And, That's, yeah. That's what I was going to touch that, on. That's, I don't have to really go into it that much more. It's got that combination of those two factors for me. It's it's like a nine, nine and a half out of ten for me. You do three of the greatest action scenes maybe ever, plus the need we were just talking about, the needle drops yes. in this movie. Put those two things together, and I'm watching two hours. No matter, like, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just watching it. Yeah, it's I, probably the best action I've seen in any movie i don't know so maybe y'all know if this had been done like it's the samurai type action fighting and stuff was done before but not in this way is that correct like the super you know over the top kung fu super well choreographed well it's it's an homage but it's like it's it's that style hadn't been done by like a big name hollywood director Right, you know, right. like it's a complete homage to to old um, samurai movies that and kung fu movies that Quentin Tarantino had loved growing up. Yeah, it, it's kung, it, it's ch- it's old dumb movies that a guy who was going to go on to win Oscars like decided to make. All right, Chris, what's your number one? I had to do it. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, this movie checks a lot of boxes for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. World War II, great acting, hilarious, dark, violent as hell, and one of the greatest movie villains of all time. Yeah, I, I'd say that the Christoph Waltz coming out of nowhere and giving one of the scariest performances. Opening scene of the movie. It's, Opening it's scene amazing. Movie. First, In three first languages. In, his first introducing scene to American audiences. It's, 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 it's pretty, pretty just amazing that he he just appeared and it's like oh this is the best actor on earth right now um i don't think the movie throughout tops the first scene i'd say the fastbender scene and the opening scene are the two best by far oh the fastbender scene the bar scene or yeah but i don't really (laughs) care about the bastards that much in it which kind of sucks the other parts of it are much more interesting to me uh basically i love i love the i love shoshana's storyline i love it uh (laughs) which i had i had to make a joke being in germany the other night i sent y'all the meme eating apple strudel (laughs) (laughs) you gotta wait for the cream he's so bizarre in that movie in that he's just so you know that scene he's so ocd about everything his his career hunting people down down to the way he eats it, it's it, it makes it creepier i guess the problem is is 
as great as a performance as it was, we're kind of like, wow, I can't wait to see what Christoph Waltz is going to do next. And we realize that's actually the only thing he can do is that exact character. Yeah, yeah. Well, he does. He does the exact same thing in Django, but it's like, oh, he's good now. Right. <laughs> okay, so uh, JP, your number one is. I had to do it. Pulp Fiction. Yep. Honestly, yeah. I probably could have picked each of our number ones beforehand, just not the list themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, JP, wh- why why do you love Pulp Fiction so much? As because I'm sure no one's ever talked about that on a movie podcast. Before. <laughs> yeah, no, never. Uh, there's not a million video essays online as why it's so good or so influential. But is your favorite scene, the Gimp. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, not quite. Well, maybe that shit is amazing. The, just, <laughs> he, he, uh, he's about to walk out the door and he's like, I'm going to go back and just fuck these guys. Up. <laughs> but, I'm pretty sure there's like a backstory for the gimp too. Like he wrote a whole oh like 10 page backstory for how the <laughs> he gimp might got in that situation. He might release a novel. Oh dear God. You know, but, Pulp Fiction, what could we say about it? It revitalized the career of Travolta and changed bruce willis's career a little bit it's been talked it, it's so iconic from the dancing scenes to samuel l jackson's performance to the wolf the wolf at, the like wolf, it would be yes. it might be my number one without the whole wolf storyline at the end you know it's such a great movie do you think what's what's your favorite so it's a collection of a bunch of random scenes mm-hmm. to me what's your favorite god it's so hard bitch be chill the wolf, Royale with cheese. <laughs> I mean, well, don't don't forget about the Christopher Walken ass. Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, it's just hit after that. hit in this movie. Oh, for what, me personally, it's the wolf. It's yeah. the wolf, but like, it it's like it, you can't go wrong with whatever you pick, unless it's the Bruce Willis girlfriend. I will say that's wrong. Yeah, JP, what's yours? <sighs> Man, I'd have to go. I'll give two. The wolf. Or when, oh man, or when Samuel gives his uh, monologue with the uh, guys they took the box back from. Mm. Yeah, no, my, mine's the wolf if you include the the f- reaction face that Travolta makes after he accidentally blows the guy's head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for that. <laughs> So, you know, Tarantino, he's one of the most influential, one of the greatest directors of our lifetimes. And he says he's going to stop after his next movie. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I hope he keeps making more movies. So, And I hope that we all watch Death Proof this year so we can add it as our number 10. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think Tarantino stops either. I think he loves movies too much to stop. Because if he stops... Uh, what what is he gonna he's gonna become a movie reviewer and yeah which is kind he, of what he already does yeah he'd end, up, he'd end up just showing up on set anytime like uh christopher nolan is filming a new movie or something mm-hmm. well i mean what do y'all say is tarantino the best director of our lifetime yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I don't. That, yeah. I don't think he's the best director. I think he's the best writer. Best writer. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fair. I could go with either one, honestly. 
Lewis. <laughs> Lewis. It was up his ass. Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino's third feature-length movie from 1997. Um, I'm, I'm really excited, too, for this because we're recording remotely. We're all in different cities. Chris is in Europe. And we're, we're we're an international podcast now. <laughs> we're opening up to international markets. Uh, we're we're really looking for those European sponsors to come in. So, <laughs> so naturally, we're going to talk about Jackie Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a movie twenty five years old that was one of the least successful in Tarantino's filmography. That's surprising because it made uh, almost seventy five million. So, so this movie, what is just, would you call it an homage, a ripoff, a satire or what of the black exploitation films of the seventies? Like uh, how do you characterize this movie? Definitely homage. Like, like, cause he has that scene, you know, Jackie Brown stars, Pam Greer, who was really famous in the seventies for the black exploitation films she starred in. And there's a whole rant in reservoir dogs i believe where they're talking about pam pam greer and then five years <laughs> later he gets her to star in this movie it's kind of badass yeah um in addition I, I think this is the only one you know he wrote the screenplay for this but it's adapted from the elmore leonard novel rum punch like it's the only story he didn't come up with on his own oh yeah. really i think but that will soon get uh get you know, overtaken by when he makes his R-rated Star Trek movie. Whenever oh God, that, I'll be so whenever happy that, that comes finally up. happens. <laughs> what would y'all think of it? Um, um, go ahead. I I was shocked at how much I loved this movie. Um, honestly, everyone, you know, I would say that we have kind of floated around the like movie critic scene on Twitter and stuff. And like, this is by far, everyone says it's like not Tarantino's best. Mm -hmm. I think when we do our rankings for Tarantino, y'all are going to see this is, this is high on my list. I don't understand the hate for this movie that it had when it first came out or like how it flew, not hate, but flew under the radar. Um, yeah. The performances are incredible. The writing's awesome. And for a long movie, the pacing is incredible. It didn't feel long at all when I watched no. it. And yeah, I, I would agree. Okay, go ahead. Are, no, the performances, it's like like you were saying, Pam Greer, who's from the 70s, and then also uh, the Bail Bondsman. Ro Robert Forster. Yeah, who's been around forever. These two people are... You know, they're not the biggest stars or whatever, but they they're and they're older in their careers. They absolutely carry the movie to the point where Robert De Niro, probably one of the greatest living actors, is just kind of popping in and out of the movie for like a couple scenes. Yeah, Forster got nominated for an Oscar for this and Greer should have been maybe should have won. I would have had her winning. She was incredible yeah. in it. Um, I love so I expected De Niro to have a you know, like being in the movie the entire time, pretty much. And his character was cracking me up throughout. Same, same. A legitimately, a legitimate, like comedic acting, like uh, 
genius performance, performance. that I, I didn't know Robert De Niro could do. It's so yeah. against type for him, and I have the exact same opinion. Because I, I watched this several months ago. I think I was the first one of us three to watch this. And it's a gr- like you said, it's a great movie. It's and you know it got critically reviewed. It 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 made it made money, but it's it's often not considered in the Tarantino pantheon. Like it doesn't have the cultural cachet of a Pulp Fiction or an Inglorious Bastards. Right. But I left this movie saying De Niro, De Niro. He stole the movie <laughs> for me, and he's just a bit character and. His performance is so against type for him, and he's so just chilled and stoned out the whole movie. And you're like, how is this guy in prison for so many years? And as the movie goes on, he becomes a worse and worse and human being. And then it being. explodes. Yeah. And the explosion is – it's its its kind of messed up to say it's one of the funniest scenes of the 90s. <laughs> but, but that's why you – cast robert de niro because no one does psychotic explosions as good as him and so the whole movie is like a lead up to that to him being a psycho and you're like so this is why he's been acting like that all time. <laughs> he's just a bot he's a rageaholic who bottles it up um i also thought samuel l in this movie his performance doesn't get talked and talked about enough. In can his, we can uh, we talk hair. about the most disgusting haircut I've ever seen <laughs> in a movie? Let's be honest though, he's the star of the movie. It's his movie. It's, it's him and Greer. Yeah. yeah, and and I feel like no nothing you read about this movie even mentions him, but he's really good in it. I didn't know he was in it till I saw it, and he's the like the main antagonist. Right. Um, Ordell Robbie is one of my favorite. Tarantino characters, I think. Now. <laughs> He's um, such a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> Samuel is... L is amazing at just playing the coolest pieces of shit like you've ever seen. Like this, the, Ordell's does, so cool in that movie. Does this top another Tarantino character who is possibly the biggest piece of shit on her? Uh, what's his name from Calvin True Candy? Romance? No. Oh, um. <laughs> The drug dealer in True Romance. Oh yeah, <laughs> Gary Oldman's character. <laughs> Gary Oldman in True Romance. Uh, speaking of hair. Yeah, yeah, just horrible. But no, I Gabe. So, do you agree? Like this, I'm shocked at how under the radar this movie yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Th- this 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 should be up there with all the others um, that are just considered to be his top. But it's the most distinctive, and it's the most different. I think it's definitely the least in your face Tarantino movie for sure. And I don't know if that's because he didn't write the story, but it's, and again, there's a little bit of action, but there's the dialogue is so heavy and it's so just, let's let the story unfold. Let's see what happens. And extremely natural, which is, I would say the opposite of, of one of his other movies and glory bastards or something like that which is equally great in everything like probably you know i'll be honest one of my favorite movies but it's like you can tell that's like a movie movie like it's a it's a film like meant to entertain like every scene whereas this just seems like hey we're gonna go pop in on these people's lives which is not what tarantino does gabe i think that's a great take though i would say this i guess i would call it his most mature movie i guess it's not like you said chris in your face let's just see what happens but i think it benefits a lot from that like being more mature 
uh, dialogue heavy and you're just so riveted by the plot and the dialogue, it's not in your face action, people getting their heads blown off, stuff like that. So I think it was a different take on what he does. And I, I think that's why I liked it a lot. Yeah. So Gabe, what, this is 97? Yeah. So this goes... Where where does this land in his? So he does Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then Jackie Brown. And he takes a six year break to do the Kill Bills. It doesn't Kill Bill Volume One doesn't come out till uh, two thousand three. And did he film the two Kill Bills together, like as one? I believe so. so. Yeah, yeah, because that's how the the story goes. That he told he he was telling us on a podcast that he basically filmed them as one, and he knew. He knew they had to be two movies. There was no way it could be one big movie, but he didn't want to try to convince Harvey Weinstein of it because he knew Weinstein would be like, absolutely not. He had to like make Harvey think he came up with the idea. So he would keep (laughs) bringing him to set and just he would hint at like how long the movie was going to be, all this stuff. And one day Harvey goes, what if we split it into two? And he's like, that's a great idea. (laughs) Make him think it was his idea. So we act like this wasn't some big success, dude. The bud I'm looking at the budget is twelve million and made seventy-five million dollars. That's like a massive hit. That that's true. And I and I think maybe we were being a little harsh on that, but it's more just I just feel like it doesn't have it, when you say Pulp Fiction, people say Pulp Fiction might be the best movie of the last 30 years and certainly the most influential. And same with Reservoir Dogs. It's influenced so many. I, we didn't see a ton of movies copy Jackie Brown. Like we saw, there's so many imitators of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir yeah. Dogs from the way people talk to the the nonlinear storytelling to just the ca- the casual conversations characters have the whole time. I haven't seen a bunch of movies like Jackie Brown. In fact... Um, if you take Out of Sight, which came out around this time as well, it's another Elmer Leonard novel. Out of Sight with uh, Clooney and Jennifer Lopez is in the same universe. Michael Keaton plays the same character in Out of Sight. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a shared <laughs> universe. But there's Who is no, very, very annoying in this movie. But besides that, <laughs> you don't actually see the connection like the vibes very different. I don't think Jackie Brown had that influence on other films, despite actually sharing with out of sight. Do you think it's because it itself is riffing on other genres? Kind of like how kill bill, like I don't think like, I don't know. Like kill bill is equally an homage to other types of genres and earlier movies. Do you think like, I don't know, but I feel like Kill Bill impacted the action genre more. Jackie Brown, yeah, but it was paying homage to older movies, just like this one. It just didn't it, keep that influence going, you know, beyond itself. This movie's like kind of a classic crime movie in my head, but very seventies, very seventies. Yeah, and I, and, and I, I think a big the, part the of it exploitation. It's a seventies crime film. Yeah. I think a big part of it, honestly, is straight up because Tarantino's white and the N word is used constantly throughout the movie. You know, like it's used constantly throughout the movie. And this was famously um Spike Lee 
criticized the film heavily. I think Denzel um, kind of like, not physically, but like verbally assaulted Tarantino about the movie once. And so I think that um, he's gotten a lot of flack for that over the years, which I think has died down somewhat. Yeah, but I think, Denzel... that, I, I think that's why it's not considered the same classic in the eyes of some of his other films. Denzel mm. actually, uh, I actually heard that story the other day on the Ringers podcast, but um, Denzel eventually apologized to Tarantino and um, just said, you know, at the time he was thinking in a completely different way, but uh, a huge benefit this movie had was killing Chris Tucker in like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had done that in Fifth Element. exactly um i was like oh my gosh thank god they killed him but that scene where ordell tricks him into thinking they're going to great yeah i mean that was and and that's when you realize oh shit ordell is a really bad dude yeah that's because he's kind of this because it's samuel jackson funny he's kind of likable likable just and and the girlfriend's like uh the girlfriend who is whose daughter isn't it it's someone Br- it's Henry Fonda's it's Bridget Fonda yeah and uh so the girlfriend's like oh yeah like he's just an idiot and like you really think he knows anything about guns and then you realize <laughs> oh fuck this guy's actually a gangster that that yeah. was the thing too for me was it's not the way it's so casual the way he kills him and the way he kills people throughout the movie. And it's kind of surprising coming from Tarantino, who I would never describe as a casual director. But there's a lot of casual just murders in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or that scene uh, introducing, you know, who Ordell really is to us. That I, just Samuel is so good in this movie. He's so smooth. He's so cool. Like he even tricked me in that scene. And I was like, holy shit. This guy, at the same time, I'm like, this guy is so cool. And also a psychopath. But do you think, do you think at the time, if we saw this movie, we would go, wow, Samuel L. won the movie. Like his performance was amazing. But are we so used to him being like cool and swaggy that now watching this movie, his performance almost gets drowned out? Well, his last Tarantino performance was playing Jules in Pulp Fiction, which is considered like just one of the all time characters again, like yeah. the last 20. 20- 30 years so it's like so coming coming from playing that i think it's overshadowed but it's still a great character uh Mm. i loved the cops in this movie and chris you said they were annoying i think you know that was the point right purposefully yeah yeah they're dicks yeah Yeah, they're huge dicks and i loved it they were so funny too and michael keaton like I, he does a very good job. His performance is good because he's annoying like a fed. And then like he plays a fed perfectly because also you think he's an idiot half the time. And then half the time you're like, oh, wait, he's actually puppeteering this whole thing. Yeah. Now and he, he rides that line perfectly. Well, I'm I want to hear what y'all think, because I can't figure it out um, with Robert Forster's character, Max Cherry. So when he's introduced to. Jackie, you know, it's clear they're telling you, oh my gosh, he's falling in love immediately, love at first sight with this woman. And he goes through all of this shit for her to get the money and to be safe and be able to get away. And she gives him the chance to go with her and he rejects it. What is that about? I kind of love think, that. I, I think he got what he wanted. He got what he wanted out of it. Some excitement. He, 
He is content. Be part of something big. Exactly. He's content knowing Maybe, that yeah. he got that girl. He doesn't actually need the girl, but he got her, you know? Right. Like, he's such a conservative and, like, a habitual character. Like, no risk involved in his life at all and set in his ways. And he won, you know? He, yeah. he pulled off a heist and... <laughs> he's and, almost LARPing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. he is. He is. Really he's probably. Yeah. I guess he's living out a fantasy. Like, yeah, man, I want to be on the other side of my bail bondsman job for once to just see. You yes. know, yeah, I was wrestling with that idea. I his, couldn't figure it out. I think his character is the most interesting one in the movie because Jackie, you, Jackie, you don't need to dig into. You, un- she speaks what she's thinking. She basically reveals everything in her head most of the time. Eventually. And except for Robert De Niro, who ends up acting out on his emotions. God, you don't realize it's just incredible Uh, performance. But yeah, like Forrester, the bail bondsman, he he's the most complex character in the whole movie. Right. But so (laughs) so all I want to say about uh, the last thing I'm going to say on Robert De Niro is the mall heist move part of the movie and then the parking lot where does that rank for robert de niro for y'all i mean it's high it's it's high up there like the the physical acting and the expressions on his face he is one of the best build-ups of rage i've ever seen he is pouring sweat by the end of that (laughs) and it it might not be like production assistance it might be real sweat i think it's real (laughs) Like most actors you judge, can they cry on command? Like he can sweat on command. That's that's what a legend he is. I think the um I think I rewinded that scene four times the first time I watched it because I was laughing Lewis. so hard. <laughs> What'd y'all think about the um way the movie was presented? Like towards the end, the different way it went back to the same scene. But from different perspectives, what'd y'all think about that? Fascinating. Liked did it. it liked did it a lot. It well, did it well, and it's another homage to 70s movies of how to present a heist or something like that. Like, which gets eventually just blown out of proportions in all of the Oceans movies. Mm-hmm. But it's like, here's how you present a classic heist. Right. Um, did you find the plot at time convoluted or was it clear most of the time i think that maybe with a different director it easily could have been i never felt that it was too difficult to follow i was entertained every scene i was always like you know there was mystery to it i didn't know what was going to happen but it wasn't because there was just something that had to be revealed at the end to bring it together Um, This could have gone very, very wrong in the hands of a different director, which several Elmer Leonard novels have. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing, that it didn't get confusing. Like, there were parts where, okay, you're like, whoa, I got to pay attention here. But then it becomes so clear towards the end with the mall scene and all that, that, yeah, it could have been screwed up very easily by someone else. Because, but... That's why I'm saying Jackie's character isn't isn't too. Jackie's character makes the movie not hard to understand because you you're following her the whole mm-hmm. movie, so you see her 
lie to each character. So you're understanding each lie. Right. And therefore finding like the what's actually going to happen through seeing all of her lies. You know? She was very badass too, though. Like maybe smoother than Samuel L in the way she pulled oh, this yeah. off. Like <laughs> she sold everyone so well, even the freaking detectives. So we're going to be talking in a little while about our Tarantino rankings, but I'm assuming for me and just a little spoiler for, for me and Chris, and I'm assuming you JP, this is going to be in, in the, in the upper part of it. What would you say? You have to reveal your number yet. Yeah, I'll just this, say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, like when we talk about Tarantino, ranking Tarantino movies, like, are there any ones that I despise? No. Like, uh, mm -hmm. like ranking the same people could have totally different top fives and I'd, I'd respect it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys say. So, any final thoughts? Uh, my Yui. final thought on Jackie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> JP at it. It's Lewis. <laughs> She's like hissing at him. <laughs> <laughs> she, also, Bridget Fonda's great in this movie, too. Like, the, the way she's like specifically harassing him and pissing him off, and she doesn't realize the level of depravity he's ready to do like hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, she thinks he's a pussy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he, uh, proves her wrong. <laughs> I hate fucking whiskey. So I couldn't stop at fucking three or four. Right. Wow. You're a fucking alcoholic. You fucking drink too much. Huh?